What's going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, I am excited to announce this guest because I actually found out about him through my buddy Drama's podcast, Short Story Long. And once I dove into more so what he's built and what he's doing, it really intrigued me because they have such a powerful message. And I'm very excited to introduce you to the CEO of The Buried Life, Ben Nempton. Thanks so much for coming on. Dude, thanks for coming out to my place, recording <laughs> this podcast. For sure. I'm excited. For sure. So... First things first, I remember I, I was watching on your Instagram one of these clips about mm-hmm. how you got this note passed to you at the beginning of the, at the front mm-hmm. of the plane, and that was the piece of content that sparked my attention, and I reached out to you to, to come on the show, and I started diving into who you are and what you've done, and there's this concept and show now on MTV called The Buried Life, mm-hmm. and before we get into your story and go over how you went from playing basketball with Obama to sitting down with Oprah and, and everything else in between... I'd love for you to just give some context on what it is the buried life is and more so what you're working on now to bring people up to speed. Yeah. So I grew up in Victoria, BC in Canada. And when I was going into university, I was in a great place. Like I had a scholarship to university. I was on the national rugby team, which was always like my biggest dream. Like growing up in Canada, rugby, it's a huge sport. Yep. So I was like, this was it. I was on the U19 national team. Um, and we were training for the World Cup, which is in Paris, France. And as we were getting closer to the World Cup, I had these thoughts. I was like, man, what if I miss an easy field goal at the World Cup? Like, what if I blow, like, this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? Like, and I, I had missed a, a kick in, in high school that was, like, a, a big game. And, and it, we lost the game. And I just was like, that haunted me. And yep. so I was like, no. Like, what if that happens again? Yep. And so eventually this anxiety would grow and grow and grow as we got close to the World Cup. And I started losing sleep. And this lack of sleep caused me to slide into a depression. I ended up dropping out of school. I ended up getting dropped from the national rugby team. And I really became a recluse like in my parents' house. And I was someone who traditionally, a lot of friends, very social. And all of a sudden, I couldn't. I couldn't leave the house. So this was like a total 180. I never felt these feelings before. I was totally freaked out. I didn't understand. My parents didn't understand how to help me. And everything I thought I had was all of a sudden falling away. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it was, so cut to the end of the semester that I dropped out of. Some friends of mine convinced me to move to a new town for the summer to work. Right. Yep. We just like went and worked in a new town. And only then did I slowly start to f- feel back to myself. And like, there are many things that contributed to me feeling better. And, you know, we can talk about those like yeah. tools later, but I started talking about what I was going through to my buddies, right? That was big. Uh, I got jobs. So I started feeling some self-worth, mm-hmm. but I also met young people my age that were inspiring and I never met kids like this before. So kids yeah. that like started their own businesses, they had already traveled around the world and I noticed that like being around those people elevated me in general. Like it elevated my mood. It elevated my thoughts. It's like, it just elevated my perception of what I thought was possible. Mm -hmm. And so I came back from that summer away and I was starting to feel back to myself. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and only surround myself with people that inspire me. Just like those kids I met in this new town. And so I thought about my friends and there was one kid that I knew from high school who was a filmmaker and I was like, man, I always wanted to make a movie. So I, his kid's name's Johnny. And I called him up. I was like, Johnny, let's make a movie. And he was like, I was just talking to my other buddy about this. And so we gathered four friends. <laughs> and we're like, let's make a documentary. And that was the mission. And we didn't really know what it was going to be about. But we just knew we had all these things that we'd always wanted to do, but we'd never done any of them, right? So they were like, they felt buried. Yep. And so then Johnny's at first year university at McGill in Montreal. And the professor assigns him a poem called The Buried Life. And it's like an old poem that basically spoke to this feeling we were feeling of like, we have all these things that we want to do, but we haven't done them because they're buried. Yeah. We have moments when we're inspired, but ultimately the day-to-day work, school, life mm-hmm. gets in the way. And so we thought, man, this guy felt like this 150 years ago. We feel like this now. Clearly, we're not the first people to feel like this. Let's yeah, take yeah. the name The Buried Life. And we thought, let's make a list of all our buried dreams. And so that's where the bucket list came from. It was like, the most epic bucket list we could ever think of. Like if you could yeah, do yeah, anything, yeah. 
what would you do? Go to space, make a TV show, write a New York Times bestseller, pay off our parents' mortgage, have a beer with Prince Harry. And then we're like, let's just pretend we could do anything and let's go on a road trip and try and cross off as many things as we can. And every time we cross something off, let's help a stranger we meet along the way cross something off their bucket list. Because we were like, there's no way we're going to be able to do all these things on our list on our own. We need the help of other people. So let's help people. Let's just like ask this question, what do you want to do before you die to everyone we meet? And if we can help them, then we will. And so that was it. It was like supposed to be a two week road trip in 2006 to go after our list, help other people. So two weeks it was supposed to be? It was supposed to only be a two week road trip. We boarded an (laughs) RV, we got a camera on eBay, we were, we cold call companies out of the phone book, right? This is like phone book time. 2006. Yeah. We got, we pretended we had a production company so that we could get uh, local companies to sponsor us. We got a juice company to pay for our gas. We got Red Bull to donate Red Bulls. We got a granola bar company to donate granola bars so that we <laughs> can live for two weeks, right? And we're like, we're going to go on the road for two weeks and then we're going to go back to school and we're going to make this really cool little documentary yep. to show our friends. Yep. That, that was it. Like, that was it. That okay. was the thought process. It wasn't a TV show and all this stuff. It was 100% like, no. pick up a camera, get this bus, Two weeks done, show our buddies the film. That was the intent. That was the intent. And we're like, this will be fun. We didn't nope. really even tell anybody what we were doing because we didn't really know how to explain and it. You're how old at the time? You said you're in college. Oh, uh, yeah. So this is like 21, you okay. know. Okay. So this was me, three buddies in an RV that we borrowed. This was before we bought the bus, okay? This was okay. just a shitty RV that we borrowed. This was. Um, Boring stuff to go on the road, cold calling, throwing parties to raise money, whatever we could, two weeks go. And so we hit the road. By the way, the mechanic said the RV wouldn't make it back. He was like, and we didn't have enough money to tow it back, so we almost didn't even go. So we hit the road, and then what happened was that we didn't expect is people started hearing about it, and they wanted to help. So strangers would see our list that we put online. We, We had... A simple website of like, this is what the buried life is. What do you want to do before you die? Send us an email and tell us, here's our 100 things that we want to do. And you guys, as like the collective, came up with this list together? Yeah. It was all stuff that we... And this was like, from the smallest things to the biggest things. Like I I, I want you to kind of go in depth, if you can, of like this list of 100 things. Because we were just talking before we started this thing. There's, uh, There's some things that you've haven't crossed off yet is that mm-hmm. correct it's you set out to do 100 um tasks or goals yeah. and you've completed how many of them over the past 10 years so now we've done 91 of 100 yeah uh, on that original list. on the original and we've done many more yeah, yeah above that but of the original which is now like kind of the symbolic yeah you know, yeah, like, yeah. yeah what are what are some of them to like get some so, context of the people i mean listening? it's everything from grow a mustache right to survive on a deserted island, ask out the girl of your dreams, yep. um, compete in a crump competition in Compton to like, uh, you know, give out a hundred dollar bill. Um, and then on the flip side, helping people yep. is things like, you know, we helped reunite four friends after 40 years. We helped um, a kid get his dad home. Uh Helped to get a bionic arm for a girl that was born with one arm. Her biggest dream was to have a robotic yep. arm, and uh, help you know over help someone over everything from overcome a fear of heights to a girl you know said I, I've always wanted to make it okay. She struggled with self injury and cutting mm-hmm. to to talk about my struggles in my small town in Minnesota. So we like created an event yeah, yeah. with like musicians and to write love in her arms, which is a great nonprofit to, you know, create this event where she could talk about it. So the, the list items range from, you know, tell a judge you want the truth. You can't handle the truth to yeah. go to space, uh, to make yep. a cover of Rolling Stone, dance with Ellen. Uh, and then the helps yep. range from, you know, just, Gives, give people permission and, to, to go after their list, yeah. which is a lot of what this is about, yeah. right? Like is, you do yours and then you help others get one of their goals exactly. or set it up. And I like, so the concept just for people listening to it's you set out with your buddies, mm-hmm. got this bus, the goal was two weeks, mm-hmm. and you wanted to accomplish these 100 goals, and for every goal you accomplished, you would help someone yeah. hit that hit their goals. Yeah. And that was the concept. Yeah. So. In that process of now, you said over 10 years since that yeah. list was formulated, you said you've done 91 of them, correct? Yeah. Yep. 
and there's nine left. I know we were talking, and I want to bring this up again. We're just having a conversation. He's like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're, we're planning on going to space soon." And, and I want to kind of bring things to like the current moment of like when you say those things now of like these big not only goals but just mm-hmm. like going to space isn't something that I believe a lot of people think they're going to do in the next couple of years or plan on doing mm-hmm. right so like where did that mentality come from because i i think after sitting down with a lot of not only entrepreneurs but people that think big mm-hmm. it's either something they have in them or there's something that sparks that yeah. like do you have that moment that sparked what it was to think so big because where i'm from it's people they just settle right they, they get a job they go to college they plan to retire when they're 60 right like yeah. they settle so where did that like big thinking mindset come from you'd say yeah so i think there's two things that are really important one is when we're really young when someone asks us what we want to what do you want to do when you grow up yep you say i want to be an astronaut i want to be a professional baseball player i want to be a famous singer like there's no limit to what as a child Mm -hmm. you think you can do and then once you hit Elementary school, high school, people start to say, you know what, you might want to think about something a little more realistic. You know, it's really hard to be a professional baseball player. In fact, the statistics are only X percentage of baseball players end up making it pro. And you hear a lot of like people just basically kind of slowly chipping away at your dream. And ultimately, you, you believe that because when more and more people tell you that when you're young, they're older than you. And you're like, okay... Maybe it's a better idea for me to like take over my dad's business because that's yeah, like yeah. A, a safer bet. And, and so I think that we were really lucky that when we were young, we were able to keep a hold of that young naivete, that like, you know, that young, dumb, and broke mentality yeah, yeah. where you like, you don't know any better, you don't know what you're stepping into. Because if we would have known what we were trying to get into with making our own show, writing a New York Times bestseller, the amount of work and nose and yeah, pain yeah. and we probably wouldn't have done it but we were just like fuck it let's just do it yep. and so and we surrounded ourselves with you know three other people or I did like right we were a group of four and we all had the same yeah, belief you guys were aligned. so when I didn't feel like we could do it the other guys were like yeah we can do it Yeah. okay so that, I think that's super important to remember that like if you can hold on to that young naivete that sort of like that youthful energy mm-hmm. you want to hang on to that for the rest of your life so that is something that we stumbled into and we were lucky enough to keep that going as we grew and this yep. whole project grew organically. The other thing that happened was we pretended because of that that point of view, we pretended we could do anything because we didn't know anybody. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we'll be on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah, we'll go to space. And we just went after it for fun. It was almost a joke, yeah, right? Yeah. We're like, let's just, let's just put it on and we'll see. Yeah. And over time... All those things that we thought were impossible started coming off the list. And each time one of those dominoes fell, it was like it instilled this building block in me Mm -hmm. that was ultimately over time proved that you can do anything. So like as you see, and that's why I think it's important to surround yourself with people that are inspiring or doing big things because just by seeing them do something, you believe that you can do it because you know you're no different than them. So like... When you start to do those things yourself, over time, it actually rewrites your DNA in a way. Like you actually, your core beliefs change about what is possible. Mm -hmm. So once we started crossing off things like make a TV show where we were executive producers of our own show with no experience in production. That's crazy. Playing (laughs) basketball with President Obama. You know, I think that was really the moment where it clicked, where we were just like, this was the most impossible thing we could ever think of doing. <laughs> Playing basketball with the president. Yeah, at like, the White House. This just and, sounds insane. Yeah, and we were, and it, and it happened. And then coming out of that, I guess we, we just thought, well, I guess we have no choice but to believe yeah. that anything's possible. But it took, you know, it was incremental change over time. Yeah. But I'm sure, like, you see it as well. Like, it's like you talking about doing this event with drama. Like, yep. when you were watching him on TV when you were eight, nine years old, the idea of collaborating with him was probably an impossible dream 100% (laughs) but as you started to grow and build and learn it became less and less impossible until finally it happened and now you look back and it's not impossible it happened and that's how it works it's like you just charge towards your goal and before you know it you're there 
That makes so much sense. I, I want you to break it down with people because I think one of the most intriguing things that we've talked about as well was playing basketball with President Obama at the White House and then you get a call from Oprah's executive team the same day. And yeah. I think for the people listening, right, and even for myself, it's like you hear whether that's that statement or something that you just – it just goes one in one ear out the other. It's like I could never do that. Like mm. that could never be my reality. I could never have my own show. I'm sure people are thinking that right now. And I, I'd love to get the sort of like step-by-step, step, like how did that happen? Because yeah. like you said, I'm sure you got – you didn't just – text Obama and say, hey, you want to shoot some hoops? And he said, yes, right? Like, yeah. You had to jump through some hoops and communicate to the people and follow up with them and take a no. And like, there was a process which I believe people, that's what people don't see, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I'd love for you just in that situation, like give us the rundown of like, how did it go from writing down a list with your buddies yeah. getting a bus for two weeks, quote unquote, and then actually playing basketball with the president of the United States, right? Like that's completely like two different things, like having the goal and writing it down and actually yeah. doing it. Like how did that manifest? Like yeah. the step-by-step step sort of formula, how you did that? So it, which is crazy too, because it's different countries, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, so keep in mind, let's take it back to 2006. We finished the two week road trip. We've had this amazing experience where all these strangers have reached out to to out, offer help to crossings off our list and all these strangers have reached out sending us their dreams asking for help and it's all of a sudden national news in Canada yeah. wow. and we, it's, we hit a chord and we're, we're just reeling from this experience um, we a producer sees us on the news he's like have you guys ever thought about making a TV show we're like number 53 on the list is make a TV show so <laughs> yes we've thought about it we end up going out to Toronto where the Canadian networks are we, we show them what we're doing they end up offering us a show, but they want to own it. They want to control it. We ultimately turn down the TV show and go back to school because we want to continue to do this on our own. We want to make yeah. our documentary. This is like giving us a sense of purpose. We're having fun. Yep. We don't want to lose it. So we go back to school and we raise a whole bunch more money through sponsors and throwing parties and anything we can so we can continue this mission. Yep. So then we go out the next summer. Instead of for two weeks, we go out for two months. Okay. We buy a 1969 Purple Transit bus. We get a crew from LA to film us, to film the documentary. And for two months, we go on the road in the US this time, crossing bigger things off our list, like sing the national anthem at an NBA game, you know, and helping yeah. people uh, in, in bigger ways. And again, notice that this is just like magic is happening. It's so much yeah, fun. Yeah. And so at the end of that, we're like, okay, great. Let's put together the documentary. And we have this realization once we learn how expensive post-production is yeah. that like we're so far away from finishing the documentary. And we end up deciding to make our own pilot out of this footage, right? So Johnny, the self-taught filmmaker, okay. takes the documentary footage, cuts a pilot of the format that we would want to make on TV, which mm-hmm. is like crossing something off our list and then helping someone else every yep. episode. And I met someone that knew someone in LA and I flew down on a buddy pass. It was like a free flight yeah. and down to LA and started over, literally took a year and a half to learn the, the entertainment business, find the right agents and production company to partner with and then pitched the show to all the networks and really MTV was the dream for us. Okay. Um, and this was, you know, now it's 2009. So this is three years after and I could talk you know, for an hour yeah, about yeah. this whole process but like for the sake of time, this was a grind to try yeah. and, and that was like the foundational stage of like from doing it with your buddies to then trying to yep. have a TV show. Yeah, and then exactly. that and then based off the question that came later with the the, uh, the whole playing basketball with exactly. Obama. And we'll get there, so everyone stay yes. listening. Continue. Yeah, so so then all of a sudden we were producing our own television show with no experience, and we kind of just figured it out as we went. We did two seasons with MTV. We tried to play basketball with Obama on one of those episodes and failed. Okay. And then we uh, wrote a book together. One of the things on the list was to write a book. And this journey continued, right? But in terms of... So that brings us to Obama. So the Obama, I think, is a good example of like the power. Just like, I mean, you hear all the time, persistence. But this is like really something that we learned throughout this process. I think most people fail because they stopped trying. Um, So... What we did with Obama was 
were didn't have any connections to the White House. Oh, by the way, MTV didn't help us with anything on the list. This was like really? was literally just... an agreement that we had where it was just the four of us. So it defeated the whole purpose of the mission to have a big network, you know, helping open us. open doors and all that. Exactly. Stuff. So we drove our purple bus that we bought off a of nudist on Craigslist to DC and started like asking people on the street if they knew anyone at the White House. Really? We sent emails to congressmen, senators, asking to meet with us. Finally, every public official we would have sent an email to because they all have their information listed yep. publicly. We got to meet with a couple assistants, lower level officials, and we found that we could convince them to talk with their boss, and then we yeah. meet with their boss and their boss. And we got all the way up to the Secretary of Transportation, <laughs> and he in the room called the White House for us. And like a few minutes later, we get an email, or sorry, like maybe like an hour later, we get an email from the White House that's basically like, we reviewed your request. Thank you. No, <laughs> it's not going to happen. Okay, to so, play basketball, yeah. and that was the request. Yeah, exactly. To, okay. We're like, if four regular guys can play basketball with the president, then it's proof that anyone could do anything. Like that was like, we want to just show that this is possible. Yeah, they're like, no chance, but thank you. <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> and so we thought, well, why don't we invite the president to us and start tracking him down? Let's change our strategy, and we found the personal aides email. And we sent him emails inviting the president and him to play. We said, tonight, 7.30 at the YMCA, we'll be there. <laughs> we'll see you there. And we'd show up with our basketball kit yeah, and our yeah. gear. And there'd be no, ba- no president, right? But we did again. Friday, fail. Saturday, fail. Sunday, fail. We went to the YMCA where we thought, oh, sorry, there's like another gym where the personal aid worked out. We heard. We'd go there at 5.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Couldn't find him. Uh, we tried everything we could. Finally, we leave DC, right? And I get a blocked phone call coming up on my phone, and, and I pick it up, and it's the personal aide. And he's like, Hey, what's this I hear about you wanting to play basketball with the president and I? And I was like, That's true. And I explained to him why. And he's like, I think I can make this happen. Give me two weeks. I got to run it by the press team. Mm. So we hear back two weeks later. He's like, I talk with the press team. It's not going to happen. Oh, again. <laughs> again. Another big no after and, you were like... Yeah. And so now we're just... And he's like, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do. He felt bad. He thought yeah. it was going to happen. We thought it was going to happen. Because like, the ask was what exactly? It like, was like for let's, the, him to say that to the press team. Yeah. It was like, can these guys come to the White House, shoot around with the president, play a game, with whatever. Yeah. Play Based basketball. on the documentary that you wanted to... Yeah. yeah. We wanted to include it in the documentary. And okay. also, at this point... We just wanted to do it. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And so. And document it more importantly, correct? Yeah. Because yeah. I, I wanted to bring that up because I think what I talk about a lot and just the people listening is like when I'm reaching out to someone like yourself and you're trying to not only connect with someone but bring value to them. Yeah. It's like for me, I wouldn't have hit you up and be like, hey man, let me come over and let's just drink some coffee, right? Like me having a podcast and yeah. a vehicle to distribute mm-hmm. our conversation to our to the listeners and same thing for yourself. It. It wasn't more so of just, hey, let's just shoot around and say hello. Like, was it intentful for the documentary? Like, oh, that yeah. was the ask, correct? So yeah. that's what, I just want to make sure people are clear with that because I, I speak along the different tangent a lot of, like, when I'm reaching out to people, it's you have a vehicle or some purpose for that, right? It's not just saying, hey, let's go shoot around and or have coffee. It's like, hey, I have a podcast that reaches people. I want to get your message out there. So I just wanted to make that clear because I see some, like, common verticals yeah, between the two. Yeah, exactly. So we were like... This will inspire a generation yeah. to sh- to, and prove that, that anyone can do anything. And yeah. so it was about the documentary. It was about like, you know, our community. And also I think it's important, and I'm sure you found this, like I think what got eventually broke through the noise was the fact that it was an original creative ask. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like there were probably a th- thousands of people wanting to shake hands with the president. Yeah. And we were like, we want to play basketball with the president at the White House. Yeah, and I think yeah. that the way that we went about it too, in all these different ways, it it somehow, we didn't know what, but ultimately this message got through to the White House. Whether yeah. it was the, the meetings that we took, whether it was inviting the president, whether it was, you know, uh, posting about it online. We got 1970s basketball uniforms and <laughs> stood out front of the White House with big signs, oh, you know, we, we did everything we could think of. And, and ultimately, uh, I think that creativity, when you think about like reaching out to someone for help or to be a mentor or like for an opportunity, you know, I think you always want to try and 
bring value in some yeah. way, shape, or form. And also, I think if you come at it in a in a creative, original way, ultimately they the person on the other end respects that yeah. originality and creativity. You know, I mean, if you like what nineteen years old, yeah. like out of high school, has a podcast, like that is something that people respond to because it's like, whoa, crazy. Okay, cool. Yeah. You know, and I think that that type of any way you can think about overcoming any obstacle in a in a creative original way yep. just puts you one step ahead of everyone else that's trying to do it the same way banging their head against the wall sure. and because that ultimately gets people's attention so you know so back to the story we we got the no from the personal aid he was like guys i'm sorry if you're ever back in dc let me know maybe i can show you the white house basketball yeah. courts cut to a couple months later we're back in dc we send him an email he gets right back to us he's like guys if you swing by the White House. So we're like, fuck yeah. We like race there. That's, we, a, that's a win. Yeah. We like rent suits at a prom high school rental <laughs> store. I like, didn't know what to wear. And he meets us and he shows us the West Wing. He shows us the, the basketball courts. And we're like, hey, you know, do you mind if we film this for a sec? And he's like, yeah, the president's not in town. Like, go for it. So we're on the, on the courts filming. And then all of a sudden the president walks on the court. That is insane. And we're just like jaw to the floor and you're not expecting it not, we didn't even think he was in DC he was supposed to be out of town okay. like that's what the press thought yeah, he yeah. ended up staying for some reason and he totally surprised us oh my lord and we and he, did he know about this like he came out there knowing that yep. he's like these four guys have been wanting to play basketball with me so yeah. like that's insane so he had heard about it um, and it was ultimately his decision yeah. And so it was, it was a totally surreal, you know, and that's, I think, emblematic of the buried life in general. Just this whole journey has been like, you know, when you try and go after something, you never know how it's going to happen. You don't need to know how it's going to happen. Even if you yeah, think that makes you have a plan, don't be too stuck on that path because ultimately it's going to deviate and you just fire on all cylinders in some way, shape or form. If you yep. continue to be like respectful, persistent and a good person it will get through and yeah, so yeah. that's ultimately what happened so yeah it was crazy that's insane like can you describe just because i think a lot of people listening they, whether they've hit a goal or they've had like a moment sort of that's like so fulfilling like walking out of the white house after writing it down like can you describe some of just like what was going through your head at that time in terms of just like the fulfillment process of accomplishing something like that because like you talked about it's like me looking back to when I was nine years old and doing an event with drama, it just felt so far until you do it. Then it's, wow, that just happened, right? So, like, break us down. Like, what was the afterthought of something so just monumental in your life? <laughs> you kind of, like, I mean, you feel like you're f almost floating afterwards because you <laughs> you just, you're like, you can't believe that this thing that you've dreamed about for so long has ha actually happened and you feel different. Like mm -hmm. you, you, you feel, that's what I, what, what I mean when I talked about there's this like change. It's almost like it rewrites your DNA because yeah. you, you actually then feel, it's like if I can do that, then what else can I do? Yep. Like if I can do that, I can do anything. And you, you realize like, wow, all of these things that I've always dreamed of doing are suddenly attainable. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's like when you climb, I mean, I, I don't know this, but I imagine you know, you climb Everest, right? And once you've climbed Everest, it's like all the other mountains. Yeah. You're like, well, I, yeah, that's going to be hard. But, like, I know it's going to take a lot of work. I know yep. it's going to be dangerous. But if I do prepare, if I, you know, make sure that I, 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 I'm, I'm in physical shape and mentally and, and I have the proper, like, you know, uh, tools with me, like, I can do it. And I think yeah. that that's what happens. Each time you achieve something that you initially thought was impossible – it actually rewrites your core beliefs of like all the other things that you yeah. might be able to do. And so the earlier you can do that, just the better. Cause then yeah, yeah. You, you have this, you know, the rest of your life to continue to build upon that. Yep. And so now I, I believe, I just have no choice but to believe that anything's possible. Like yeah. I literally have, I don't have a, a choice. Yeah. It's, it's something that it, I've, I've seen with my own two eyes. Yep. I've experienced it. And my goal is to, is to, hopefully instill a piece of that into as many people as possible because yeah. I believe that if more people did what they loved 
ultimately it would change the world. Because like when you do what you love, you inspire other people to do what they love. And I mean, sure you found it when, just yeah. through your podcast. I'm sure you've inspired multitude of numbers of people that have then decided to do the thing that they want to do and think about the impact that they have had not yeah. just you but they've had on their friends yep. and what they've done right that is a, a very that's an exponential impact that you've yeah. had from this podcast just by doing what you love so i think that the more people that can do that will inspire more people to do that thing and that actually changes the happiness of the entire planet right like i think that you know when you're doing what you truly love you're more you have more energy you're more alive that's for me what has like been the game changer when i feel depressed and when i don't it's like when i'm depressed i'm not doing what i really want to be doing like i was you know in the beginning i was putting so much pressure on myself to play rugby I was putting so much pressure to do well in school. Like I didn't really even like rugby. I was yeah. just doing it because I thought it was cool. Like, yeah. and then I had this creative outlet with buried life, and that ended up changing my whole existence. Really, yeah. right? So, like, you know, you never know what's going to trigger you to do the thing that you love, and that's Absolutely. why I think like anything that that you can do to kind of spark that in people is important. For sure, no, and, and I. I want to bring it to some context now of like with the TV show that yeah. you have just from like I just said from having the original goals to writing them down to accomplishing some of the biggest dreams and goals you set out to do what's been the process in the back end from a I would say from having to to do a TV show and actually having it I know that we talked about just the struggles of like making sure you have creative control that's why you turned down the mm-hmm. the offer from the um what is it called? Canadian the Canadian network, network yeah. right? So like, what has it been like, not only having a TV pl- platform, but mm-hmm. more so like creating content on a scale of like, all right, you're putting stuff out on social media, people are listening through social media on this podcast, but working with a big brand and a network and people that are actually helping you from a creative aspect of like, all right, this is going on TV, which is a whole different platform than social media you log in and do what you want right so what's been your experience with actually like working with a brand like mtv because i know it's something i personally haven't been able to experience so i'd love to learn from your end just like what that process has been like it was tricky you know to be perfectly honest because i mean i think drama will say the same thing like we 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 stepped into that in a unique position because we'd already turned down a show we at that point had started to build like an actual brand and following so when we stepped in we just said we just want to be executive producers we want to hire our friends as the crew we want to choose the music and edit the episodes and and that ultimately was like it was crazy because they said yes okay so now we were in a really good position but still you have to work in the confines of the structure that you're given in television you know it's 22 minutes there's three commercial breaks or four commercial breaks um you can't just go out with your phone and film it and then uh, put it on air. You need a release for everyone that's on the show. You need location releases for everywhere that you film. You need, instead of just going with your couple buddies to to pull your Instagram and doing a You need a full minimum, like, and we're talking, this was like, when we cut it down, it was like, you know, maybe we could get it down to 15 people, but usually it was 30, right? Just... Anywhere you go to film. Yeah, we're talking because there's line producers, there's PAs, there's people. Because if, if you think, if you just want to go walk down Venice Boulevard to yeah. film right now, if you're doing a show, you have to, one, get someone to call the city, yeah. permit it. Then there's probably some cops that are going to be out there to make sure that you have the permits to film. Yep. And then there's going to be signs that have to be put up to be like, we're filming. Yeah. And then any one of the 30 or 40 people that are walking through your shot... You have to have someone run them down after they get out of the shop to make them sign a waiver, That's right? That's insane. So this is like all before you even start like getting into making the yeah, show. So yeah. this whole process was totally foreign and totally, in our minds, crazy, but you, we had to do it. So yeah. we had to be um, flexible in that, in that, that point of, from that point of view. And so, but there's other things that we just didn't give on, right? Like yeah. when, for instance, like if we, you know, we wanted to... Um, uh, crash the Playboy Mansion, the party at the Playboy yeah. Mansion, and it was. Uh, they were like, "Okay, we're gonna call and clear it and get a location release." And we're like, "What? Why are you talking about? Like, no, that's gonna. Then they're gonna. We're, we won't crash it then because yeah, they'll yeah. know we're coming." <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, but 
if you do it and then we don't get a location release after, we can't use it. And we're like, well, we're not going to do it unless it's real. Yeah. We'll figure out a way to, to, to deal with that afterwards. And so, you know, we, so cool, we legitimately like made this whole ruse of like, we built a giant prop cake, hid my friends in the bottom and yeah, dressed yeah, them yeah. up like Oompa Loompas because it was a really <laughs> wonky themed party oh, and good. delivered it to the mansion at 5 p.m. And we got in, filmed it, and then afterwards had to get permission. Okay. And then they said no. Ah, so you couldn't and, use it. And you couldn't use it. But then wow. we continued to try and make it happen. Do those we ended up writing a, a handwritten letter to Hugh Hefner. He gave us permission to air it. Wow. So it was just like, it was one thing to film, another thing to get permission, and then to, to do it in a way that was authentic was really difficult. And our whole thing was like, this has to be real. Like, first and foremost, yeah. if it's not real, then... We got nothing. Yeah. And so when we, whether it was doing something on the list or whether it was helping someone, like the people that we helped didn't know that we were going to help yeah. them. It was always real. So it was like, sometimes you just have to be, you know, you, you have to be flexible. You have to know what you're getting yeah. into. Uh, but it's today, you know, <laughs> doing stuff online is just, it's, yeah. it's, it's a lot, it's a lot better place creatively. And I, yeah. And I, I want to sort of to pivot as well. Cause I know with like TV as an outlet and obviously how we connected, which was on Instagram, when was the, I would say, like, when did you start building, like, an Instagram yeah. presence and social media? Because obviously, like, filming a documentary and wanting a TV show is completely different than opening up an Instagram account and starting to just post content, mm-hmm. right? So, like, when, because I talk a lot about personal branding, that's what I speak on when I speak in, on public stages. And that's what I tell people to do, more so. That's how I've had this podcast, and I've been able to meet a lot of amazing people, including yourself and drama and all these people based off a personal brand on a social platform, right? And it's different than a documentary and having editors and all that sort of like additional context to content. So Mm -hmm. when was your, I would say, positioning to take social media, go into that as a personal brand, Mm -hmm. therefore that would complement what you're building as the buried life? Yeah, so it was was about the same time that I started speaking uh, like on my own and, and at that moment, I was like, okay, I need to tell my story. And my story was something that I wasn't sure if I was comfortable talking about. But I got to the point where I was like, okay. I started learning about the number of suicides in the country every day. There's a suicide in the U.S. every 15 minutes. There's, wow. So it's 120 suicides a day. Mental health is not just a, a problem in this country. It's a crisis. And it's uh, something that needs to be addressed yep. and I, I think that it's you know it's your generation it's my generation's responsibility to eradicate the stigma because it doesn't make any sense yep. because um, everyone will struggle with their mental health mental health is not like there are, some people will struggle more so than others but what I uh, say by everyone will struggle with their mental health is like everyone will go through some sort of crisis in their life yep. mental health mm-hmm. crisis right and that's proven by the, the data and so we all need to be prepared and be okay to talk about it when that eventually happens. And we want yep. to be there for our friends when they go through it because yep. it will happen. Like, have the can, conversations. Yeah, and you can, and everyone can learn a whole lot from having those conversations. So I thought, well, I better, uh, instead of just preaching this, I, I should walk the talk. And so I got to talk about my story. So that's mm-hmm. when I, you know, same time I started speaking and, and started like really focusing more on social to tell talk about my struggles that I've had with depression yep. anxiety how I've actually learned from that and mm-hmm. used what I've learned from that to be successful like yep. I think a lot you know your struggles can really be your strengths when you embrace them and I think that a lot of entrepreneurs I know, I know a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with their mental health right because yep. of what you need to do to be successful in entrepreneur, as an entrepreneur also can be detrimental yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, it's like three or four acts like the amount of uh, times that people struggle and so um, but at the same time those are the things that make you successful so yeah. I just think that when I started to talk about my struggles it opened up the door for people to talk to me about their things and I when I started speaking about it yeah. I could see the connection so I guess the short way to answer your question is like I, I really just tried to be real and mm-hmm. um, and that's when I started to get invited to speak more. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that I just wanted to tie it in in a way that was, like, digestible, which is why yeah. I talk about a list and 
you know? Yeah, it's, very, it's the simplicity of like having the list and everyone has these goals or things they think are impossible, right? So it's like, I want to kind of bring you back. So you having this social media presence and everything you're doing now, speaking, I mean, I know we talked before, you spoke in front of 22,000 people, right? It's, was speaking publicly something that you've feared in the past? Because I know there's this, um, I don't know what the statistic is, but it's like, a lot of people tend to fear public speaking and it's something no one wants to do. Like, so yeah. what was that transition one. like? Yeah. Yeah. So it's funny that, it, well, I don't know. It's funny. It's just like interesting that public speaking is, uh, so the number one fear that people have over death. Yeah. So yeah that, like, that was it. That yeah. Was it. So Jerry Seinfeld like talks about people at a funeral would rather be in the casket than doing the eulogy. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, heard that. it's like, a, uh, but it, it also makes sense when you think about this inherent fear that we have, of the fear of what other people might think or mm-hmm. the fear of failure. Like those are two really like deeply ingrained fears. Yeah. So that, that's kind of what you need to get over to like talk in front of people. Um, and for me, like I, yeah, I've, I've like always had those fears. I still have yeah, those yeah. fears. I still get nervous when I go and, and, and talk in front of people, but I've learned, a, you know, one it's, I realize it's like a muscle that the more you do it, the better you get just yep, like anything. Yep. And also there are things to help you get over that fear of talking in front of people. Like one, thinking about why you're doing what you're doing. Are you, you Usually when you speak in front of people, you're, you're doing it to help someone in the audience do X, yep. Y, Z. And so if that's the case, then if your purpose is to help someone, it's not really about you. Therefore, you don't really have anything to be nervous about because it's about yeah, the yeah. other person or other people. Um, and like things like meditation and breath are extremely helpful. Uh, and there's like a myriad of different things that we could chat about when it comes specifically like getting over the fear of speaking. But the point is like, yes, I still feel it, but I know that it's, it's inevitable. Like, and there's comfort in that. Like I, it, this, this will never go away. That sort of anxiety or that fear, but I've realized, well, is it anxiety or is it excitement? And I changed that, the the feeling or the thought about like the anxiety around public speaking is actually, I'm excited to talk about it. And so I think that it's like, the more you do it, the more comfortable you get, just like anything. Yeah, for sure. So I, I want to sort of go back to the list yeah. because something that's intriguing is when, when you're talking about, hey, one of the things we wanted to plan to do is go to space. And you said you've done 91 of the original 100. What are some of the, the, the last nine that you think, like in the current moment, that if people following you after this podcast, like what is some of the goals you have today after accomplishing all of these amazing things that you never thought were possible? What are some of the things you're aiming and striving for today after doing all these incredible things? Mm, yeah. So, like, there really – there's two main things that, that we're going after, and they're, they're tied together. So one that we talked about is go to space. Um, and to explain that properly, we need to talk about the other thing, which is number 93, I believe, which is make a movie, which is okay. we started Buried Life to make that documentary. We thought it would take two weeks here, like 13 years later. <laughs> We're almost done, but we want to finish it with number one hundred. Okay. And what finish I, the movie? Yeah, finish okay. the movie. So, so I want we want to put out this documentary, and with the so what I've realized and throughout this journey is this you know there's this incredible power in this idea of like a ripple effect mm-hmm. that is what I was talking about earlier, where when you do what you love, you inspire other people to do what they love. Yep. So. We can all have we all have the potential to like create that ripple in our lives. Like you don't have to have a hundred thousand followers yeah. to create that ripple. You 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 can create it with your five friends, yep. and basically you can help it and inspire them by doing what what you love. Or when you help someone, if you help someone, you don't just help that person; you help the people around them. So yeah. like, there's all these different ways to create the ripple. And I realize that buried life is really about that. You know. Yeah. I was inspired by a friend who started clothing line in, in, in college after I dropped out. Mm-hmm. And that made me think, man, well, I wonder what I want to do. I want to make a movie. And so I called Johnny and we got The Buried yeah. Life going. And then The Buried Life ended up inspiring, you know, people like Yes Theory and other... Yeah, like, yeah. L- large, love Amar and all those yeah, guys. Yeah, the Because no, I actually, real quick too, when I... Because um, I've heard of Yes Theory, like, I think it was about a year ago. And then... When I came across the buried life, I was like, "Wow, it makes sense now." Like that was like, like the OG yes theory concept yeah. of like doing something for yourself, but then also helping others and having these crazy ideas. And I'm sure a lot of people listening between the eighteen, the eight, the 
ages 18 to 25, they're familiar with the Yes Theory, so mm-hmm. it, it's super cool to see just how it's tra- like inspired a whole next generation to use their social platforms and build brands and exactly. do the, the model of like these extreme goals. So I just want to point that out. Yeah, totally. And it's cool to, you know, I mean, it's been amazing to see what they've done, the impact that they've had, Yeah, you know, jumping out of a helicopter with Will Smith or you know, <laughs> the, the, the clothing line. Um, and so the, if you think about the impact they've had, right. And the people they've inspired, and then the people that they will, those people yeah. will go. On. So that you can draw that back. All of this one kid that started a clothing line in high school. <laughs> that like the clothing line doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. There's, you know, it would lasted for two years. It doesn't matter. Like yeah. that had an incredible impact yeah. in the world. Yeah. So like that, I think is the power of doing what you love. And so, and that's what the documentary is about. And we actually were talking with the yesterday guys about coming together to do go to space together to oh, create sick. the biggest ripple effect of all time. Yeah. Because that's the theme of the documentary is the ripple effect. Okay. So that is something that um, you know we're all focused on. Okay. And so it's going to be go to space, finish the documentary, and then you know I speak a, a lot, so I'm traveling around doing that, yep, and then yep. working on writing you know a book around this idea of a, a ripple effect and got it so it's uh it's been a, a crazy uh journey but it's it's been one that's like you know it's got me down here yeah. in la and it's like i love living down here it's a great community and yep. stuff like that so it's been yeah it's been fun for sure so i mean last thing to really tie it all together i'd yeah. say it's i'm i'm not only hearing your story but from the content i've seen and what you've done i know we talked at the beginning of People listening, or myself, 19 years old, graduated high school last year, moved completely from Virginia to Arizona, and just doing these things that I wrote down when I was 16, just, hey, I want to move across the country when I graduate. And it, after I did it, it's like, wow, if you can do that, you can inspire someone else to do it. And I want to hear from your perspective, like going back to that moment where you're writing down that list mm-hmm. and you're 18, 19, 21 years old, just through, through the journey of what you've been on, what would be the, that one thing that if someone's listening and maybe they just don't think they can do it, they, yeah. you know, they hear this podcast, they watch a lot of content, but they, they still just don't believe that themselves can actually strive and do more than they're currently living. Like, What do you tell that young person that's maybe caught up in the stigma of, hey, my parents told me to settle and I, I don't have these big goals because I, who am I to say that I can play basketball with the president yeah. or move across the country or whatever just to, to gear it back to the question just what do you tell on that 18 19 year old that's just embarking upon their journey mm-hmm. like you were at 21 years old mm-hmm. like what what have you learned that you'd want to instill in them before we uh, wrap this up so think about yourself on your deathbed looking back onto this moment if you're if you're deciding whether to do something or not picture yourself on your deathbed and will your future self regret not doing this, right? If no, cool. If yes, you kind of have to try, right? Like that is sort of the black and white. Like 76% of people get to their deathbed and their number one regret in their entire life is not living my ideal self. So living for someone else, not living the life that they wanted. Yep. 76%. That is insane. insane. Over three quarters of the population. Yeah. So you will be in that uh, 76% if you are not aware. Most people will because the problem is is that generally with personal goals, people push them till tomorrow because there's no deadlines around them. So they're yeah. the easiest to be pushed till tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, which ends up ultimately before you know it, you're on your deathbed. Yep. So to, to actually digest and like think about the fact that you are going to die – which is why like the question, what do you want to do before you die is such yep. a, like a good one to cut through it. Quick picture yourself. And if your future self you think will regret it, you have to try. And then so in terms of, let's say you know that already, you're like, I, I yeah. know that I would regret it if I don't. Okay, so what can you do as like, like actual tangible steps to move yeah. yourself forward? Because you don't need to know the entire roadmap. You just need to start taking steps because through those small steps, you will start to create your own inspiration. Yep. Like, cause you'll never get hit with inspiration and be yeah. like, boom, you wake up and you're like, yes, I'm inspired. <laughs> I'm going to go do it today. Like that doesn't yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. You actually have to, you feel that through action. So you have to actually start taking steps. So we talked, you talked, uh, you said this a couple of times for the podcast, writing it down. That is the first thing you need to do when you start to think about things that are important to you. Because what you do by writing down your goal 
is you, you make it real, right? You're taking mm -hmm. an idea and you're, you're making it tangible. And this is also a reminder that your dreams exist because as I said, yeah. you get buried. That's why the poem was written 150 years ago. Like this shit happens yeah. on the daily. Like you will forget about your goals because you have schoolwork, because you have work, because yeah. you have a relationship, because of the day-to-day. -day. So you need a reminder and your list is your reminder and you need to um, actually make those things tangible, put them up somewhere, put them on, maybe it's your phone. Yep. And an even better thing is to have a friend that checks in on you as an accountability buddy, right? Like that really starts yeah. to build accountability. So, you know, you write them down and then I think it's really important to talk about your goals. Um, With the collective group of people in a sense of like your so I support think, system? Or? I think to your support system, I think um, even on social, you know, yeah. I think that if you don't talk about your goals, no one can help you. You're on your own. Yep. And you can do it on your own, but it's a lot harder. The only way we were able, able to cross 99% of the things off our list is through the help of other people. Yep. Like people stepped up because yep. we talked about it like passionately. And, um, and so people would show up. And, you know, most people don't talk about their goals because of the fear of what other people might think or mm -hmm. the fear of failure. They're like, well, if I talk about it and then I don't do it, people know that I failed. Yeah, yeah. And like... Those two fears are really intrinsic as, as human, you know, it's like, it's part of the human condition. But here's the, the truth. The fear of what other people might think, generally people are just thinking about you much less than you think they are, right? Like they're yeah, yeah. wrapped up in what other people are thinking about them. Yeah. And so they're generally more accommodating. And then the fear of failure, like if you never do your thing because you're afraid of failure, you fail. You never did it. Yep. So at least when you try and fail, like you learn something. And it generally doesn't take a, a huge hit to your reputation, really, the, the, the hit that you think you... Yeah. And so, like, I, I think there's, like, this... As long as your basic needs are met, like food, safety, shelter, yeah, those two fears are, are more imagined fears. So, like, you write down your goals. That's, like, a good place to, to start because you want to take time to think about what's important to you and imagine you can do anything and write those things down and then, to start to talk about those things. And if you write down your goals, like... And you, you have like, let's say a bucket list journal or something yeah. like that. And you revisit it every quarter, every six months and you update your list. You write new things over time. You'll look back just like you look back. And like, if you had written down, like do an event with drama, yeah, those things that you initially put down that you thought were impossible will start, I guarantee to yeah. be crossed off as long as you start, you know, continue to drive forward and yep. stuff like that. So I think those are two tangible ways to actually get things done. No, oh, I love it. Well, just to wrap it up, Ben, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. And for the people that this may be the first time they've heard your story, where's the best place for them to learn more about The Buried Life, learn more about yourself, and just stay following you along your journey moving forward? Yeah, probably Instagram, at Ben Nempton, which is just my full name. But any of the social handles are at Ben Nempton, and then there's more info at bennempton.com. Got it. And I'll, I'll make sure to link all that down below so they can check that out. And that being said, everyone listening to the Rise of the Young podcast, I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. And thank you so much, Ben, for coming on the show. Thank you, man. It's been awesome. Yep. Cheers.